Welcome to the Prescriptions Podcast, bringing TCM to mental health. Welcome Prescriptions listeners. This is Sean here from the Prescriptions Podcast team. When we initially recorded episode 11, that was back on the 10th of March, and as we are releasing it here, much has changed in the last two weeks. Our initial release date was going to be on the 27th, but since so much has changed in the surrounding climate here uh, in the U.S., but also globally with COVID-19, our topic of Equanimity still very much applies, but we wanted to just let people know that some of the things we discuss or how we discussed the situation at hand has drastically shifted. And first and foremost, we're sending our thoughts to everybody that has been personally affected, but just anybody who is living life right now because it's gotten a lot harder to keep that sense of equanimity, which we'll discuss later on in the podcast. Also, we want to advise everybody to follow the regulatory guidelines that are being listed through your governmental channels, whether federal, state, local, international. Um, Follow those. Pay very close attention to what's being put out from legitimized professionals and specialists a lot of fake information a lot of hysteria and a lot of distracting media out there so take care of yourselves ingest what you need to in a correct amount and also find a little bit of healthy detachment if you are dealing with any sort of mental health issues or just overall emotional imbalance i know there's a lot of things flying out there right now and struggling with in terms of fear, confusion, anger, sadness, despair, reach out as well to us. We, as an organization, prescription, that's our go-to, that's our key in prescribing individualized formulas based on people's shens. So we can do telemedicine consults, create a individualized formula just for you send it out via mail i know it's hard right now not being able to go see your traditional face-to-face practitioners so if we can be any of service to you please let us know we love to help and overall we just want to wish people well with the ever-changing dynamics that are at play i can personally say that timelines expectations assumptions on how life is going to be is quite variant right now and that's another portion that affects how we deal with equanimity so i hope you all enjoy this discussion that we had here in this podcast and as always stay centered take care of your mental health much love episode 11 i'm Didi, and we've just come out of the full moon and Mercury has gone direct, thank goddess. So happy, ready to receive all the things that have been held back. There have been a lot. And we've just come from a wonderful noodle dinner that my 
fellow colleagues here treated me to for my birthday. So Happy thank belated you. birthday. Thank Happy you so Happy much. Birthday. It was amazing. So now we're all full stomached and spleens are working. And our topic this week is, I'm going to butcher it because I haven't been saying it right, equanimity. Perfect. All right. Which is basically staying cool, calm, and collected um, in life. Let's just call it in life and all the trauma that you may experience, all the crazy hype about health and disease and just all the anxieties that happen, how you keep yourself calm, cool, collected, centered, and focused. When Didi and I were speaking to each other earlier today, we had to really make sure that we didn't kind of let things slide because so many of our conversations come very naturally and we get a lot of good content out of them and that's why I enjoy speaking with you also. To kind of jump right into it on that note that we didn't crack the seal yet was just how do we, one as practitioners, but two as our own self and people living in this society deal with the current um coronavirus situation i think that has brought a lot especially you know in the theme of prescriptions and mental health we said it over dinner fear-mongering and hysteria and this lack of equanimity so if anybody would like to speak of what have they been noticing in their community what have people been talking to about have i know for myself even we're points of reference and there's a lot of questions that we get as practitioners of any sort of medicine how do we handle this what do i do hong there was recently uh was it dr young who had the coronavirus seminar did you attend that yeah i did how'd that go it went really well we had a, a very nice turnout so we pretty much went over the statistics of what's going on in terms of country by country, how many cases there were and how many cases were you know, were resolved and how many st- cases remain and those kind of statistics just to get people on board with what's going on in the world. Uh, and then we also went into how TCM is being used in, in China itself to treat uh, coronavirus. So he went uh, so Dr. Yang went over a few of the prescriptions that he have seen people use, including the ones that are for like preventative, and then those that are used for diagnosed cases, come going from very mild to extremely severe cases. So we went through all that. That was pretty nice. So Shang and I were talking earlier about is it is the primary pattern uh, wind cold that turns into heat? Mm. So uh, from what um, our practitioners in China have been experiencing, they've concluded that it's an epidemic disease, that's what they're calling it, and um, and primarily a damp toxin. So usually a patient will p- present with pretty mild, very flu-like symptoms, and possibly with a very thick uh, uh, tongue coat, mm-hmm. showing a lot of dampness. Uh, and then usually they, they're treated but um, by resolving the damp with uh, herbs like huoxiang, herbs like um, and sangju, stuff like that, which help resolve the damp. Some people go straight away to like think of it as a viral infection, and they go to yin jin sa, something like a, like a very strong uh, clearing heat type of thing, which then aggravates the symptoms actually because it promotes the damp accumulation because you're cooling them down and just building up the damps even more. 
uh, from what I've been hearing, that um, when they're treating the patient, usually uh, resolving the dam is the way to go. But somewhere in in mid uh, in mid treatment, sometimes the patient have a peak in fever, and then that's when you have to switch strategy into kind of like clearing the heat, but only after you've already cleared the damp away. And um, so the fever actually spikes at some point. At some point, it doesn't just get high and then they look for it mm -hmm. to recede. Do, do they initially start with a high fever? Mm -mm. So this is why it's called epidemic because they believe that the 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 actual of the actual pathogen is a damp heat pathogen that began in the winter, but in the middle of winter you have a cold cold environment that's take that's kind of like covering the actual pathogen. So the pathogen gets trapped in the Shaoyang, that, that's what they're calling it. So a lot of the formulas they're using actually uses a Shao Chai Hu Tang component to it as well to clear it out of the Shaoyang channels. Uh, but once you clear away the damp, the original pathogen then surfaces itself and it will then spike up as a very strong heat pattern which requires you to, to then use cold herbs. But if you use cold herb right away, you're just going to build up the dampness to be, that's already been accumulating. The other thing that really struck me that I would like to pick your brain on, Huang, was on our initial blog post on our website a while back, you kind of gave this wheel of yearly consti constitution and also environmental constitution. That's something that has come into the foreground for a lot of TCM practitioners back in China who in more of a, like a predict mm -hmm. prediction of this as a potentiality. And the other aspect, I think, with this growing concern of it is how how is it changing? How is it morphing? And thus, as we come now into the spring equinox, is there any considerations that we can take or discuss or um, just become wearisome? As we know, changing of any seasons always bring a potentiality for more cold kind of symptoms. So I think you're referring to what is called uh, Yun Qi system, which Dr. Yang like brought up uh, at the very beginning of the conference. Like he says, okay, I prescribe to the Yun, the Yun Qi system, and then he explains all that. Uh, so t um, that system itself uh, belongs to the more um, uh, the Taoist way of doing medicine. So before 1950, 1950, 1952, when TCM became more, um, you know, in terms of his theory, became more like model after Western medicine with a um, a principal approach to things. So in the past, when herbalists study medicine, they usually had to study this way of viewing nature. So they learn to follow the patterns of nature, this changing qi pattern, energy pattern from year to year, that's that type of thing. Um, with epidemics, uh, people are looking back more on that because it gives them in clues into what might be going on and helps them uh, like refine their treatment approach. So a lot of nowadays, even Nowadays, because we're facing this, a lot of people are looking more into that. So it's it's nice to have them look back into the classics a bit more. It's kind of and in regards to calming the mind, it doesn't make the impact any easier, but I think it gives people a sense of clearing away the mystery. And I think the mystery and the unknown is so much of where fear kind of arises from whether it's how long is this going to last where did it come from why did it happen why me and then that comes in terms of as we know anger mm -hmm. and that's been a big portion i think of this worldwide global impact is there's a lot of blame mm -hmm. going on and specifically directed 
and we could go into a lot of different places, but even to the form of racist and hate towards that region and what is considered Chinese or what is considered Asian as that is the root of origin for supposedly where this came from. What's weird for me, and I spoke to you a little bit earlier about it, Sean, is watching the media exposure of it, and take it takes me back to the AIDS crisis, because I was out there in the streets fighting for my friends who were dying, and the government at the time, I mean, one of our mottos was silence equals death because we could get no one to speak about it. We could get no one to talk about it. We, People were dying and they were even being quiet about the number of people that were dying. So for me to see this get so much coverage causes a lot of different thoughts in my mind. I'm wondering, as I said to you earlier, in each there's truth in every action. So the fact that they're talking so much about it, and let's be honest, an entire country has put itself in quarantine. I can't remember that ever happening before. I mean, sure, maybe it happened in ancient alien times or something, but in my lifetime, I don't recall ever getting the information that an entire country has shut down. Um, so when you, when I see that kind of thing, it makes me go, okay, so... They are trying to cover themselves for something that is very significant about this virus. But I also see the flip side of the reason that it is on GMA in the morning and then uh, the same doctor goes on to uh, Kelly and Ryan and then the very next show and the next show and then on the news there's a special edition of it for the entire news program. I understand, I'm smart enough to understand that a great deal of that is driven by what's happening in the markets. If they if they don't address it, all the big money has a way to pull their money out and make chaos and let's face it like america and most other countries don't manufacture too much anymore it's all manufactured in china now china is under the pressures of the racism of this came out of that country and but by the same token they have this incredible amount of power in world economics because they are the producer of goods. So when people get nervous and we have our stock market, which is so inflated, like never in our life, and I, this is what the president loves to say, greatest ever, but the thing is, is that now the people who have been greedy and seeking those kind of numbers in the stock market, they are never going to be satisfied with anything else but those numbers in the stock market. So when they're scared, your government has to say, no, look at all the things that we're doing to take care of everything. Show them pictures of them cleaning those planes. And you, as a normal person, are sitting here going, "You, why wasn't that happening all the time anyway? Um, but it is done to foster the i guess i guess it's the the comfort of those people who are afraid um 
but I have never in my lifetime seen a time when governments were willing to let commerce stop. And that is a bit concerning. That's from, you know, the boomer perspective. It's concerning. I've never, I've never seen countries just willing to shutter the doors. Yeah, that is a pretty big deal. It's, it's scary, yeah, but f- freaking out and going, buying all the stock at Costco yeah, and wherever, it's, it's not going to really do you any good. Like toilet paper isn't going to keep you from getting coronavirus. I'm not sure where that connection is, but um, when we are scared, it affects our kidneys, our kidney energy and our immunity and our immunity and it opens us up to getting a pathogen it doesn't have to be the coronavirus because we're just we're not seeing it like where you don't have to go out of your house because like one in five people on the street have it and it's it's more of a mental fear of we're seeing it everywhere and then we're making conclusions we're just living out of fear which is not a good place to live out of and i i'm all about being positive having a positive mindset and that's where i have to stay because that's just how i don't know i work i and i can't say that everybody has to like be super positive and then you won't get the any virus but i from my opinion that's that's really the only thing we have control over is your mindset and yourself. So we give our power away when we're living out of fear. And that's my. So my question to you and to everyone, but since you brought that point up, I think all of us would agree that that's a mindset that we can choose to make. But for someone that is, has a little bit more cynicism or is maybe not as rooted in their, you know, bright Shen, let's mm-hmm. say. Someone coming at you and saying, well, that isn't science, or you know you can still get it, or this and this, and I heard that, and everything has been snowballing. Since we are talking about how to really become and how to find the equanimity in things, I think through all the discussion, I'd really like us to kind of share either the way in which you even feel the need to respond to that or not, as well as how do you respond? Is it internal? Or is there any need to express that belief system upon someone else that you're interacting with? Yeah, so... Yeah, the... uh, the virtue of fear, w- which related to kidney, is of course wisdom, and to have wisdom and understanding helps a lot when it comes to uncertainty in life. Because right now, we're we're all in a very uncertain place. You know, politically speaking, tonight is another election uh, round going on here, and we're like, who's going to be? Who's it going to be? And then we have this COVID nineteen going on, and everybody is scared. And more than 
the uh, primarily not the pri care providers because they're more educated and they seem to be very calm but the general population who are not versed in what is going on like when you tell them prevalence rate is lower than the common flu that a, a flu kills 10,000 each year in the US while in China to date only 3,000 have died from COVID-19 you know those are numbers and they make sense to us who like okay that's the statistics I'm more likely to catch the flu right now than I'm to catch COVID-19 but say that to your patient and they're like ah, I'm still scared you know um, and a lot of it you know it's very hard when you when you're in a situation where people around you are very concerned for me in particular I feel very comfortable where I am and I feel actually I'm feel prepared if that does happen I, ha I, I have ways to treat myself so I'm not really in that state of panic but then you have people like my parents you know uh, so when they first heard about the coronavirus, they told my sister, like, you're going to Vietnam, this, you had to cancel all your flights. So they told her that, and she's, you know, she's a surgeon, and she's like, mom, it's not that serious, okay? So just wait. And then now she's, you know, my sister, now with all the flight restrictions, she said, okay, I'm canceling it because it's just a big hassle. But it was my mom who was worried most, you know, and my sister was like, ugh, come on. <laughs> And uh, and then today, she, when when I was walking here, my mom called me again, and you know, um, so um, back in my hometown, they just found a positive patient, and they just announced in the news this afternoon, and so her in the morning her restaurant was filled, and then when they announced on the news, like empty. Oh my god! So it's just like, ah, uh, I don't know if they're gonna come back tomorrow because they just announced a patient in the area. It's like, oh my goodness! So all that. You know, fear. People hear one patient has it, and then it's like everything stop. It's very, which is like, okay, this is how it is. This is the fear that the media has built up. So now they hear it, and then they act from a fear instinct. And William Osler, which is one of the fathers of Western medicine, you know, one of the founders of John Hopkins, uh, he says that the highest virtue for a physician is equanimity or to be able to stay calm when you're surrounded by patients who are fearing for their very survival that's They're, so true yeah and he's just echoing the philosophy of the stoics before him so he's just telling you that the greatest virtue to cultivate as a physician is to know that death is something that we all face but how to stay calm with in the face of death that's you know yeah. Could you imagine if you went to your doctor and he was like, oh, my God, like, <laughs> everyone's going to die. Like, thank yeah. you for all the doctors out there keeping yes. it cool. Um, They're chill. Very good. I guess with my point and, you know, similar to you, Huang, it's family that has asked me things because we kind of become hubs for our local relationships and I think something that we can do in a portion of why this important conversation is where people are getting their information. And for people that have whatever medical background or even just sourcing how they ingest information into their being, to share simply that, you know, have you been only watching one station? Have you only been even ruminating about the same statements of fact have you gone out and done your research to turn their own fear into a sense of wisdom and not just accepting the truth that some station some person some neighbor told you or some family member or even some relative that's in another um country because 
every single local environment is dealing with a different version of the same thing that we're all portraying as one scary cloud hanging over us. I think the thing that amplifies the fear is, ironically, the things that they show you to try to make you feel safe. When they show you that, look, we're cleaning all the subways, we are fogging the plane, and you sit with that for a second and go, all right, so that plane makes six flights a day, and they usually don't do that. I saw a report the other day where the the tray table is dirtier than your toilet. So, and then, like I was telling you earlier, I took the metro this week to um, Long Beach, and I watched a woman in front of me take the juiciest booger I have ever seen in my life off of her son's finger and wipe it on the back of the chair in front. So, People do not trust each other for our cleanliness, for our civil behavior. I could do a whole podcast on atrocities I've seen on the Metro. And you don't know what you're coming into because you don't know who sat there in the hours before you. So when you are shown all of this stuff of look what we're doing look what you're doing all you can remember is they don't usually do that they don't usually do that so how can i trust that they're doing that all the time and even i and i'm you know i'm educated and i'm not a fear monger i'm i don't believe in like health hype I even though had a conversation with my friends who were thinking about coming here for the graduation and said, just think about it. Like, think about it carefully. Think about what airline you're flying. Think about whether you feel safe. And I have noticed, and it's not so much because I thought that they would get sick, although one of them has had a few more upper respiratories than usual. It was about worrying about their anxiety levels should there be anything that would happen on that plane or god forbid they get home and find out yeah this person was infected so all of you guys have to quarantine yourselves um i think that there has to be a certain amount of as i said there's so much being said about it what's the truth in in all of that like what's that piece and that has to be kind of a just a healthy suspicion. And you sort of alluded to it, and I just want to translate it into our five element is you said think, right? And you're using that word a lot because we know that this fear of the water element is controlled by the earth and the thinking mind. So again, to Huang points about virtue, and I think to the exact point of what you were trying to let your friends know is an intention, right? And that's really what transmutes the rumination, the worry that could improperly upset that cycle to control the fear so that when people are making decisions about where they're going, where they're traveling, how they're interacting with their fellow humans in this world, they do it with intention. And so I see another portion of this whole equanimity discussion is really having people become more present to consider all the stuff that you mentioned if i had never worried about this before why am i doing it now if i never judged a person 
because they were Asian before in my community, why am I doing it now? Or, you know, the other thing that's getting hit, and similar to your point, whether it's an Asian-owned restaurant or a Chinatown, you know, that is not even in China, they're still getting the same amount of treatment, yet we never intentionally would have considered that prior to this time. And now the thread of where this even fear came from can dissolve with intentional and reflective thought rather than worry and fear. So what I like to do is to figure out what we're actually scared of, the society. Um, ask, what are, you, what are you afraid of happening? They're afraid of getting sick and the news is telling them, oh, people have died from this, so I could die from this if I get it. And people are scared of dying. They don't want to die. But the people who have died have been the elderly and people with immune issues. If you have a healthy constitution, there have been multiple cases treated with Chinese herbs and formulas. So we treat them based on the symptom, based on your uh, constitution and your individual presentation. And it's not... I mean, I haven't seen it firsthand, but it wouldn't be much unlike treating a normal febrile disease. Um, so I think keeping it, keeping all your thoughts together, knowing that you're going to be okay just because you get sick or you get the flu, which has a higher mortality rate than the coronavirus, you you drink your water, you take your vitamins, you're going to be okay. So I hope everybody knows I think that. That's a great point. And I found even that it's motivated me to eat fresh, keep eating fresh, take my vitamins, make sure I get out and move some, throw a couple sticks of Huang Chi in with my hot tea every morning, just being mindful of well, what kind of things can I do to make sure that my body is as fit as it can possibly be to fight off anything that will come to me, um, especially at this time of year when everything's looking to attack me? So these have to be things that that we educate our, our patients for, just like what Sean was saying about what Hong wrote earlier, is to again it gets back to being in touch with nature knowing when cycles are shifting knowing what you are susceptible to when those cycles shift knowing what foods to eat as those cycles shift uh, and and then keeping those basic things of always getting enough sleep always drinking enough fluids keeping yourself hydrated and and keeping your mind calm and clear so we've sort of touched on the political, we've touched on the health-related things, and then you sort of alluded to it, Didi, with the change of how this is even affecting the two of us in our cancellation of a graduation. And the thought just came into my mind, the idea that I was almost in a state of shock because I was like, okay, now I have to tell these people, they've made trips, they've had plans, there was schedules involved. How do I deal with this? That passed shortly, but why I bring that up is we know that shock or fright can also affect the heart. 
And so we've been talking a lot about the kidney and the spleen. I'd just like to open the conversation that do we feel that this repetitive triggering of everybody's emotional construct is also affecting the heart? And so that even though there is a lot of fear, which is sort of residing in this, can there still be people that are dealing with shock? And then how do we offer the same sort of advice that we've been discussing t- to bring them back to the equanimity? I think five elements helps a lot and trying to explain things like what you said earlier, how the earth uh, has dominance over the kidney, these kind of things. I've even noticed in myself, if I just leave the TV on during the day and I'm doing something else and I'm hearing in the background all this stuff, since it has been played more, I've been more yin deficient. Like I've had more sweats at night. I'm not as, I should be thirsty, but I'm not thirsty. So the damp is kind of dominating some things, but I have been drinking so much water since we left school and staying very hydrated. And then all of a sudden I'm noticing kidney signs when I lay down to go to sleep, my knees ache or this bone in my foot is aching. And and I, I had to kind of stop and think, why is that happening? I don't have a yin deficient tongue. And I realize all these things are soaking into my subconscious and sucking the yin out of me. And that's me not even thinking about it, just it being there subliminally in my background. So for the person who's obsessively watching it all day and thinking about it, of course they're going to Walmart and buying out that you know, toilet paper or uh, hand sanitizer. And I've heard many stories from my friends about going shopping and the shelves are bare. I went shopping today for rice. There was no rice. (laughs) 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 At an Asian grocery store, no rice. (laughs) Oh my God. That just makes me think of all the elderly people s- watching TV that don't are retired already, so they're like watching TV all day, consuming their yin and making themselves more susceptible. Exactly. So with the shock and fray, I guess my mainstay is almost like how do you balance between the over flooding because you had a great intention with that, right? That it was just coming in or for any of us that are educating ourselves and trying to create this wisdom versus a re-triggering of things or even as we know and we've spoken about before with the heart, then we create that heat, we create that anxiety, we create that congestion in our spirit, in our consciousness to not even be able to handle other aspects of life because it's a s- easy thing to say but even within this conversation and i don't hold anything against us but w- just like everyone else we're also talking about mm-hmm. the same amalgamation of exactly what's happening in society yeah. it's hard it's an actually inevitable like epidemics are born within high population area no civilization city live life is the bed no is the bed bed the bed where you know epidemics are are, are born right and when we developed um 
socially uh, becomes the period where we live in large number in groups of large numbers maybe thousands maybe millions and then we have this situation where this type of social living breeds a lot of fear when things are uncontrolled or unpredictable it's just kind of like when you live with a lot of people with different backgrounds uh, with co uh, complex social structure when something is out of our control and we can't control it it just amplifies the fear from one group to another it just amplifies and amplifies and historically we have seen this occurred whenever the uh, population reached these sizes you know, like in ancient India, when it, it began to become major cities, you have people who are overwhelmed by fear of daily life, and you have the birth of Buddhism, where they teach you know, how to control your mind, control your fear. In in the West, with the Hellenistic Empire, that you no know, Greek with the city state now encompassed the whole of Mesopotamia and Egypt, and together, you know, it get it, it created a ground where they needed a philosophy, a way of dealing with the worrying that the population was having. And, you know, Stoicism became one of the most dominant school of, th uh, of thought within the empire. And people learned, you know, they, they teach you how to reflect on your own thoughts. Like, okay, you have fear about that. Can you do something about it? Then do it. And you don't have any fear anymore. You have fear about that? Can you do anything about it? If you can't, then why are you fearing it? So it teaches you to see what's going on with your own mind and teach you to like self-regulate, so kind of like affect regulation. So learning to get in touch with your own emotions and learning how to deal with them, I think, is an essential skill when you live in a large group. It's just something that w we have to develop in order to maintain this, this t style of living. You know, Which is the difference between a country that has a billion people and a country that has 300 million as our own where we are trained to respond to fear so they can control us in general and direct us the way that they want us to be directed politically. And so you have a place where what you've just described, where there are so many people you have to teach them to self-regulate and you have a virus that happens there it shows me that they, in, in their stoicism, are smart enough to know, okay, well, we're just going to close this door down and it's going to hurt us a little economically, but it's going to kill you guys economically. And yeah, we're going to have to deal with your racism until the virus kind of dries out in whatever season it's going to dry out in. And then meanwhile, over here, it's like, okay, we'll scare you, scare you, scare you, scare you, scare you with giving you all this information. And maybe you'll just keep your ass inside and shop online. And one thing I do predict that will happen, though, is out of this, you're going to see industries probably find a lot more ways to have people who work at home so that they don't have to lose commerce if anything like this happens again. And that's, I think, already transitioning. I have a good friend of mine who's literally, you know, in the startup thing, and that's very malleable. And as soon as it switched, online meetings, stuff's at home, using all the apps, I mean, technology, there's a big potentiality for that. And even going back to the political realm you have someone like Andrew Yang that was talking about all the different jobs that could be taken away by technology and transition so 
to Huang's point earlier where we have also this unknown with an election there's a lot of parallels I think also in life in general right now and whether it's 2020 whether it's what's going on in the cosmos above I think the beautiful side of it is that it's playing out everywhere um, the hard part about it is that it's playing out everywhere and like we've mentioned multiple times today it's a perspective shift and how do we in moments of adversity change our mindset to see the other side of the coin to consider the alternate possibility to use what is seemingly destructive transmute it as we know yin and yang theory does into something positive do you reconnect with some faith-based belief system do you reconnect with some self-care routine do you reconnect with just yourself and where am I at? am I really in my best place because if I'm taking on this unknown I need to be strong and rooted within myself because those are the people I feel like like ourselves sitting around this table or, or who we've been discussing that aren't dealing with this are really rooted in themselves and since we're in the business of brightening people's shin and having them really connect to that whether it's COVID-19, whether it's the political thing, whether it's the economic or technological thing, this is an opportunity and I think it's a grand opportunity for a lot of people to really take a good look at themselves and where do they want to go. Mm-hmm. I think it's funny that people are behaving as the rat in this year of the rat. They're running around crazy collecting things and storing them away and preparing and um, just kind of I mean rats are very resourceful I won't say that the people who aren't responding well aren't being resourceful they certainly are they're they're preparing for Armageddon of COVID but I just find it kind of interesting that we literally are behaving like the year of the animal that it is it's a great observation (laughs) (laughs) I think something that's really important that we kind of forget living our day-to-day lives and just the society that's about making money and being productive and you know the capitalism is asking yourself do you have control over your own mind or are you letting fear control your mind are you just letting your subconscious go wherever are you like paying attention to what your thoughts are and asking yourself is this like a healthy thought is this helping me be more productive or is it keeping me living in fear which is creating more disharmony within your body the word healthy detachment came to mind and that was back to my question about like how do we react to the people that are questioning the way in which we live and where I've really grown over in this realm of coming out of school and just the transition over the last four years there's been a lot of questioning about who i am from people that have known me for a while or that they're continuing to get to know me and for anybody as we know life is a continual change and growth if you are truly living and so i would also allow everybody's mind to really take into that point of how can you be healthily detached where 
it's it might even be perceived as being aloof or lack of having compassion or you know not keeping up with pop culture but at what point is that freeing for an individual versus those that don't even realize that groupthink or group ideology or tribalism for you know is actually detrimental as much as it supposedly connects us you know social media and that sort of thing but really if you're not in control of your mind as Jess says becomes your worst enemy I think for me a, a lot recently I have been discovering the way to as Jess says check in with the thought that I'm having and weigh whether or not it's a valuable thought for me and if it's not to immediately find something else to focus on and that's something that people don't do they have the thought they germinate they germinate they germinate they go to bed they're still resonating that thought they're still trying to figure that out and all you have to do is it's like a cat you know all of a sudden they're looking at you next thing you know they fly into the other room they change our mind like that's what you have to do to have control is to change your mind to be able to quickly change your mind to something else turn the damn tv off and then think about something for me it's been i i immediately turn my thought to great things i'm expecting to happen so that not only am i looking forward but i'm looking forward to what i'm looking forward to and if I find people who are like that, kind of germinating, germinating, that's what I try to get them to do. Say, okay, well, let's just break what you're thinking. Can I? And, and not even like that. We'll say, I just had another thought. I'm sorry, just for a second. Can I ask you about something else? And I have done that when interviewing patients, when patients want to talk about the same thing. And it's like, okay, I know that's not your main problem. So how do I get you? I will just ask them something random like take them off of that thought. If they're telling me about their polio they had when they're eight years old and they're 72 and they came in today for a backache, I might say, hey, how's your garden doing? <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, but I just, I just remembered you had told me about your garden and get them talking about something else. And that's what we have to do with ourselves. That's how we have to train ourselves. When you catch yourself in a negative thought, change your mind. Exactly. So uh, being in, in control of your mind is very important. And I think um, a lot of different traditions uh, focus on developing that type of, of you know, ability to, to change your mind, like our intention. When we do acupuncture, we're training our intention. So we're very skilled at doing that because we do that day in and day out. But then also, like for a lot of patients, focusing them on what they can control and the things they can do seems to take the fear off a lot like the patient's worrying about this but then like you were saying if you can just focus on boosting your immunity put some herbs drink it every day that becomes your ritual and when you do that you feel oh i'm not afraid because i'm in control now right. i can drink that every day exactly. <laughs> i'm doing this so i know nothing's going to happen exactly. to me and when you set that intention that nothing's going to happen to you yeah. then nothing happens to you yeah so my, my roommate, like she's been watching the news and it's freaking her out. Mm -hmm. So she has this l tiny sore throat, but now she thinks like mm -hmm. it's COVID-19 COVID for sure. And then maybe it's even like throat cancer. <laughs> so, so 
she was really, really worried. And I told her, what, what do you want to do? There's something you can do. She said, oh, I can go see my doctor. And so she went to see her doctor. So she did something and it stopped her fear because she found something that she could control versus focusing on something that she couldn't control. Okay. I love the word that you use, Huang, ritual. And I think that's something that maybe each of us can sort of share. And for myself, whether it's various divinatory things, like today I did a reading for Didi, or whether it's so much fun casting the I Ching or looking astrological things, or even just creating your self-care as a ritual. And that can really change your mindset because a lot of us, for, or for some of us, you wake up and you had a dream or you were in the swirls of your mind. Well, what can you do first thing when you wake up as a ritual to potentially stop that or change the path? Or for those that have a lot of free and alone time in the evening, what's your nighttime ritual? How's your sleep hygiene? So what are you doing to clear the day off? Just like when you were a baby, you had to have, your parents had to have a ritual to get you down to sleep at night. We still need those as adults. You have to create your own and baby yourself. And it's a real sweet thing if you have it and you, you stick to it. Got to take care of your baby. Self-care, very important. Uh, so it's like in my life, I've, I've have an interest in exploring different, you know, different ways of thinking, different theories. So um, growing up, I was very big on Western philosophy. So that was my big thing. So uh, explore that for a while. Then, you know, Eastern philosophy, Buddhism, that type of thing very philosophical, very in-your-head type of, of doing things. And it teaches you methods of meditations, methods of observing your own thoughts to gain control over your thoughts. All that's really cool. But I've, what I found about with Chinese medicine and the Taoist way of doing things is that it seems to not forsake the body. or in, in, you know, it, doesn't look, it reminds us that we are our body as well. And sometimes treating our body and taking care of our body is equally as important as having control over the mind. <laughs> you know, the mind is like a GPS. It's, it, it's very conscious and it knows what's going on, but it can't drive the car. <laughs> so learning how to do both is very important. So with our medicine, you know, we talk about the five Taoist cultivations. So we have medicine as being one of the branch of our, culti- of, our, of our cultivation, but then there's also cultivation as in like Qigong, Tai Chi, and, you know, working with meditation as in con- training our mind as well. But I, what I love about the medicine is that it, about Taoist approach is that it touches on how to work with the body as well. So my own ritual is that at night I sometimes you know find places that are uncomfortable and I treat myself like you know with needles and then maybe uh, a little bit of uh, Artemisia salve, which is aye uh, we use. So I put it on and then it moves the chi. I feel the chi moving and then my mind calms down right away. It's like before I have to work so hard to calm my mind. Now I can do that through the meridians, and it's so much quicker, and it feels great. No, it's caring for yourself very important. It's like our our other episode where we talk about when things get hard, you know, the the tough uh, focus on self care. So you gotta do that. So f- maybe finding new rituals. That's a, another big point in equanimity. So much of our awareness that we've been speaking of is kind of coming are your rituals really serving you do you need something new have you been very physical go mental mental go physical spiritual you know whatever the fulcrum is for you that maybe is 
lacking or deficient because that's what allows as we know other excesses like all these emotions to kind of jump into the game so everybody listening out there if you're dealing with any sort of this uncertainty or lack of equanimity journal about it write about it or even ask other people because a lot of times and i'm sure each of us can attest to it where someone has invited us to go try this out or do something and we've always been kind of like oh come back to it i don't need that or um i've done it before a long time ago or but why is this coming up again maybe this is the perfect time for you to try something new and find another ritual i like it sounds good i like it really good idea there's so many things that you can do you just have to find your own path. You have to find the thing that works for you. Nothing is for everyone. And that's part of figuring out who you are. Like, what do you like? What turns you on? What keeps you healthy? What keeps you happy? What makes you sad? We should all know these things and we should all care about these things and we should all keep these things in balance. And with that, sense of clarity i think the roots show themselves where the ground doesn't seem as dark or wet or deep or disgusting and we want to dig in there because to your point earlier where you can just make that switch really quick i think good people in conversation has been a big way that i flip that switch and so if i don't know what i want to express or talk to a person about a lot of times and we can't expect this from anybody to read that mind to know what spiral we're in to take us out and be like no well you actually have this and this and this to do and this is going great in your life and what's going on over here and then all of a sudden that person for themselves can mirror the same sentiment that their close friend or confidant just gave them the opportunity to shift and not focus on group fear that's been looming around their life for however long i mean it's important to know that the ability to flip that switch takes practice it's a it's a skill that has to be developed i mean god has blessed the person who's born with it but most of us have to acquire that skill and practice 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 until it becomes something you can do in your sleep and some days it's going to be easier to flip it than others and you have to still love yourself in the days that it's hard and accept and say okay today i'm having a little bit harder time flipping that switch that switch a little bit bigger it's a little heavier than the one that i flipped yesterday but that's okay i'm gonna flip it it's gonna flip back down and then i'm gonna flip it again and it's gonna flip back down and i'm gonna flip it again until it stays flipped and the the power that comes to you with recognizing that you're able to be successful in flipping those heavy switches is so liberating that once you start doing the practice and you you experience it, it you won't let yourself go another way. Like you won't make those other choices to, to just stay heavy because it just doesn't feel good. Are you describing my Mercury retrograde right there? <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, Gemini. So with Gemini, when Mercury gets retrograde, so many old things show up. And it's 
each time it retrogrades, I get to choose how to respond to it. And learning, you know, every time you do it, you get better at it. Exactly. You, you, you know what's good for you, what's healthy for you, and what's, you know, what what is you know beneficial. What what is the right choice for you personally? Exactly. And you do it better, and you feel better when you do the right when do you do do it right. But then you do it wrong, then it happens again. Merchant retrograde happens four times a year, so no, no worries. We but gotta have the lots of just for you, Sean. The Mamba mentality is <laughs> equanimity. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I think your description was be so beautiful because, and to that ode and homage to my man Kobe and the Mamba mentality. And what I appreciated so much about that, and I think what resonated with a lot of people, was it cut so direct. There wasn't this wavering side to side. And I think, not that the path needs to be linear, but the fact that when you have a clear intention or a goal or even just the ability to pat yourself on the back with these repetitive lessons that come to us, you find that the wavering lessons, and for us in Chinese medicine, we know that there's always going to be a natural ebb and flow. But to absolve ourselves of the greater extremes of life, which sometimes people deem as living for the thrill, there's a place for it, but at the same time, and what always stuck with me is do you lengthen the string or do you let it bunch up and you shorten it and you have these highs and lows um, and you allow things to pull you and you don't come from that rooted mentality whatever your mentality is or whatever your code is or whatever um, belief system that you really have in that guttural place of your body that you can always fall back on and I think that's also when equanimity is lost it's like well what's my origin and we spoke about who am i what do i know about myself because uh, as much as we can really have the support system in the fight of the mind the only person that you have on your team is you and you can always reach out and anybody that is doing their job right in mental health should be empowering you to become your better teammate for yourself. Well said. Very well said. Very well said. Well, thank you guys for being here and talking to us about this. Yeah, this was a good one. That was fun. Yeah, that was fun. Yeah. Well, everyone have a great week and we will talk to you soon. Bye. 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 Thanks, Thanks for, for tuning, tuning in. in. Until, Until next time, salute.